truth. And what is true and what is not? And where do we find it? Or better yet, from whom do we find it? Our favorite television pundits or the news we read or social media or our friends or our own instincts and thoughts and hopes. We are competing with truth claims galore from political parties and religions and denominations and philosophies and authorities and everywhere. It, it should force us to ask the question, what is truth and, and where do we find it and from whom? The Gospel of John speaks to this in his Gospel really beginning in the first verse. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but also throughout the whole Gospel and in this morning's text too on the 14th chapter verses 1 through 14. May God open up our ears and our hearts to this Word of truth. Jesus says to his disciples after he had supped with them and shared the Lord's Supper and taken a towel and washed their feet, he then, then began to teach them about what was going to happen to him and what to expect. And he opened that teaching with these words, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms if that were not so, I would have told you, and I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, or it could be interpreted in me or by me or with me. If you really know me, you will know the Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and then we will, that, that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Truly, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
some pastors I know can tell you to the exact number, the number of the, how many funerals or weddings or baptisms or how many new members have joined the church uh, during their pastorship. And I could probably go back through the records of all the churches I've served and figure that out, but I've never really had any need to or want to. Mostly, I, I just try to remember the lives of those I funeral, uh, I've, I've served in a funeral for rather than the numbers. But whatever number it is, I can tell you that it was and is too many. I look back through the 37 years of my ministry, I can remember too many heartbreaking funerals of those who died tragically and too young. And as well, some heartwarming ones from, of those who died at probably the right time, even maybe a little longer than the right time, having lived a full life and now have moved on. Every death and every funeral is a continuum of those two poles, those who died too soon and those who maybe died a little later than they should have. But one common denominator is that for most of those funerals and for their families, they all chose John 14, one through four, to be read at their service. Hear it again. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. King James Version says mansions. Many rooms or dwelling places or houses. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place that I am going. This passage is used so frequently that it's hard for us to get the impact of what Jesus is saying in John's Gospel. There was one person who came to me to help plan her funeral, and I advise that for all uh, church people, to go to your, one of your pastors and, or family members and help plan the hymns you want and the Bible readings you want and the format you want because it takes a lot out of your family's uh, worry to know that you have already made those plans. You don't need to plan at all. They need to do something. Remember, uh, funerals are never for the dead, right? The dead don't care. It's the living. But you still would like to leave a legacy, so it's good, to, it's good to write down your thoughts about that. And in almost every case, you might write down this text. This woman came to me to do just that and said, uh, I, don't, I don't want no way are you going to read John 14, 1 through 4 at my funeral. And knowing this woman, I knew that she was thoughtful and had worked through this, and so I smiled and said, what's up? She said, I just don't like the King James Version. In my, in my father's house are many mansions. Said, I, I, 
I didn't grow up in a mansion. I wasn't born in a mansion. I've never lived in a mansion. I grew up in basically a shack. And the thought of living in some huge mansion with a lot of space, dusty and vacuous and having to take, I just don't, I do not want to be raised in a mansion. No problem. What if I said tents? Because it could be interpreted tents in my father's house are many tents. Uh, a little something better than that. So we settled on houses or rooms. She said that would be fine. If you do that and not mansions, then, then that's okay. But however we interpret the kind of place or home that Jesus goes ahead of us to prepare, the older I grow, the more comforting these words become. When I was younger, I remember, I remember thinking that Jesus' promise to go and prepare a place for us after death felt a little bit like a bailout, a leap over the reality of death itself. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, death happens, just grin and bear it, and I'll be there to, to take your hand when you land, and I'll pick up your bags and usher you into your new room. And I've been to funeral services where the preacher in the congregation seems almost giddy celebrating not the life of the one who had just died but but the promise of resurrection no lamenting of the death no matter the cause just this celebratory giddiness of smiling rejoicing like their favorite football team had just won Today is Resurrection Day. Today is the day that the Lord was raised, and so was Steve. Today is Resurrection Day. Let us all give praise. When my mother died, um, she was serviced at a little PCA church in Montgomery, Alabama. And... Um, I had nothing to do with helping to plan her funeral. Well, I felt, I felt a little bit like it was a professional slight. Um, the pastor knew I was a PCUSA pastor, and he, he never invited me for any of the planning, and I didn't insinuate myself. And he got up and did just this. What a great day this is that BJ, they call What a great day this is that that BJ has been raised. What a great day it is that we can rejoice together as a, as a body of faith in the resurrection. And he droned on and on. And I just wanted to stand up and grab him by the collar. <laughs> yes, ultimately, yes. BJ, my mother, had died. And her resurrection was the most to be celebrated. But she died the, mother after, the day after Mother's Day in 2004 after I had sent her a nice bouquet of flowers and we'd had a great conversation about life itself and she shared with me her worry and fear about my dad who was struggling with some dementia things and I shared with her my worry and fear about her who was taking care of my dad and, dad and not taking care of herself. And on that next day, that Monday morning, she drives him to Baptist Hospital in Montgomery for another neurological test and tells him that he, she had some pain in her chest and dad was not so demented that he didn't say, we're in a hospital, let's go get it checked. No, I'm fine. So she drives home 
and they get in their two barkers in the den and they turn on the TV to Fox News and in a second or so she stands up, coughs and falls to the ground with a massive stroke. Now I'm sure that Fox News probably had something to do with rising her blood pressure. <laughs> but so would, uh, you know, NSNBC for that matter. But what makes matters worse is when her service came, we never really had a chance to work through the hurt and the loss, the suffering. We just had to go from her death to Giddy. And to make matters even worse than that, I had just accepted a call to go to Riverside Presbyterian Church in Jacksonville the week before my mother died. Nobody yet knew. And during the service, I looked out and two carloads of Covenant Presbyterian folk from Atlanta, the church I was pastoring for 15 years, two carloads drive up to come to the service itself two and a half hours away to bring their spiritual and moral support. I felt like Judas. Jesus did not give these words, do not let your heart be troubled, to stamp a smiley face on his death nor ours. Yes, these words provide infinite solace and comfort with the promise that his death will enable him and us to find the way to God. But not, but not without remembering how it starts. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And he says that because he knew they were and they would be, as was his, the same word that is used when he is in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he is to be crucified. And he prays to God, my heart is troubled. Trouble doesn't even come close. It means, it means like an earthquake. It's, it, it, it's anguished to the point almost of collapse. It is, it is broken hearted. It is, it is in such pain that he sweated blood. That's what trouble means in this. Do not let your hearts be, be that anguished. And these words are words that should make us be giddy and dance later, yes, but not immediately. He gives them to his disciples and us to promise us and to give us something to build on, to stand on, and to prepare our lives and our deaths on that death does not have the last word. And when that earthquake comes and opens up the ground and our body or our ashes are poured into it, we can go to that place in some hope, the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we stand on, this promise that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. And there are many rooms in God's kingdom. I think there are many churches in God's kingdoms. And personally, I think there are many synagogues in God's kingdom and probably many mosques in God's kingdom, 
many houses that we do not know of in God's kingdom. But wherever it is, there is a house for us. That's the promise. That's what is our rock to stand on. I remember in my early ministry attending a funeral of a young person who had died in a drowning accident. And the preacher used this passage to preach on it. I can still, I'm still moved by it. He took the, just five words from this whole passage. If it were not so. If it were not so, then Jesus would not have been born. If it were not so, then Jesus would not have lived and walked and taught. If it were not so, Jesus would not have died. If it were not so, Jesus would not have been raised from the dead. If it were not so, you, me, would not be here right now. If it were not so, he said, is just the opposite way of saying, this is so. Trust it. And if it were not so, Jesus would have told us it were not so. But what he tells us is that it is so, that he was so connected to God that he knew God well enough to know that God would have the last word and death would not, not even on a cross. And that sermon was powerful enough for me to remember if it were not so. And every time I read it, I remember that service. To make the point that what Jesus says is credible, Jesus says also, you know the place I'm going. Doubting Thomas, of course. Lord, we don't even, we don't even know where you're going, nor how can we know the way. And Jesus says to him, in the most quoted words of the Bible, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or with me or in me or by me. And, and you can say that this is saying those who don't confess Jesus Christ are not saved, and that's okay if you say that. That's okay if you say that. I believe, however, that Jesus will meet every single one of God's creatures at the end time and, and will walk us into God's place. Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father too. And the rest of the passage is Jesus spent explaining what you see in me is who God is, that I am the Father and the Father is in me. And what I say what God, is what God says. You see me, you see God. If you can't trust me, you can't trust God. That's what John is telling us. That God has made himself real, revealed to us in this one Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. And God is true to his word and Jesus is true to his word. Jesus is that saying then that what we believe doesn't matter so much. In my covenant church in Atlanta, when we would say the Apostles' Creed and people would stand, I always knew those who didn't believe every single part of it, and I would muse as I watched them when it came to something like, I believe in the virgin birth, and they didn't really believe it, they wouldn't say it, they'd close their mouth. 
That's fine. You don't have to believe all of the doctrine and the dogma and the theology of your own particular church. That's not what it means to know Jesus. That's legalism. That's Phariseeism. Jesus is the opposite of that. We cannot stand on doctrine. It evaporates in the end. Jesus opens the door on all of those rules and all of those doctrines and all of those specific things that we have to say and do in order to be in. He opens the door on all of that and says, all of that points to the truth, but I'm the truth. I'm the truth. And inasmuch as we're able to see that, that Jesus is the incarnate truth of God, the personal truth of God, that Jesus doesn't only tell the truth, but Jesus is truth being, the beingness of truth. That what we see in Jesus is truth and is the truth of God. And when we see that, we begin to see the truth of God everywhere. When we ask the question that Pilate asked, when Jesus stood before him and Pilate said, they say that you are a king of the Jews. And Jesus says, that's what they say is true. And Pilate says, what is truth? And that question can be heard as cynicism or a valid question. But only until we ask that question, what is truth, are we really ready and able to receive the truth of Christ? Because if we walk into it thinking that we already have the truth and we know the truth, then the truth that's going to meet us will not be recognizable. It is when we walk in with that question, what is truth, O oh God? Oh, Jesus, help me. I don't know what truth is. Then we will begin to discover the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. It starts with our question. I was always told I needed to answer all my questions. And when we discover the question, then we can see God's presence not only in Jesus, but in each one of us. And we can see God's presence in a field of clover with a daffodil waving in the, in the wind or a nice thank you note, handwritten thank you note of condolence or, or sympathy or an act of love and compassion or, or a visit at the hospital or a, a movement for forgiveness even though someone didn't ask for it or some act of reconciliation, whatever it is, that God presence, that light of God, that goodness and love of God breaks in among us and we can say, there goes Jesus. Oh, maybe in me too. Then we begin to know the words of Jesus and why they're so powerful. Then we can say, do not let our hearts be troubled. Amen. Let us bring forth the gifts of our lives and our labors. <clears throat>